Welcome everybody at another episode of the Wrestling vs. the World podcast. You're on, enjoy your day. Cool. If not, whatever. Anyway, so by the time I'm recording this episode, it's before Hell in a Cell. By the time this episode comes out, it's going to be after the pay-per-view. But I thought I'd discuss a common subject that I'm sure everybody is aware of. And that is probably the most common problem with Hell in a Cell within bookings for I don't know how long. Sometimes it's an occasional thing, but a lot of times it's not. The problem with Hell in a Cell that we see within WWE is not the booking of the match or the fact that it's being done in a PG environment, everything's watered down compared to what it was. But the problem is, is that Hell in a Cell just gets thrown out there when in actuality Hell in a Cell should be the match concept that ends a feud. You're in a grown-outside size cage, door is locked, with chains and a padlock, you got a roof there, nobody gets in, nobody gets out. It's only between what's supposed to be the only competitors within the match. And by the time I'm recording this episode, I believe there have been like, what, 50 Hell in a Cell matches? So I'm going to quickly go over the matches and pretty much go over whether or not these were rightfully done Hell in a Cell matches, or if they even ended feuds or anything, because some of these times Hell in a Cell is just there because either they don't know what else to do, or because, oh, it's a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. It's like, it's gotta make sense, for fuck's sake. So let's start off with the initial one. Shawn Michaels' Undertaker, Bad Blood in Your House from 97, made perfect sense. I mean, like, it all had started since SummerSlam, it kept getting personal with, like, chair shots and Sean trying to play a coward so it made sense to bring this Hell in a Cell concept up so that Sean had nowhere to hide and the rest of his DX clickmates could not try to get involved in the match against The Undertaker. So at that point, it made sense. Uh, the one from June 15, 1998, Raw, Undertaker and Stone Cold versus Kane and Mankind. Honestly, it didn't. Like, it was just a thrown together match. It's like, Oh, it's time for a Titan Hell in a Cell match! And of course, if you didn't watch it on Peacock or the network, you never would have figured out how the match would have concluded. And it's like these two tag teams would still face off in a standard tag team title match later on if fully loaded the following month, so what's the point? Now, Undertaker Mankind for King of the Ring 98, it made sense to finally conclude their feud that had been going on and off since 98. But in terms of this point... I remember I was skimming through shows. This feud just suddenly jumped back on right after Dude Love was done with this feud with Stone Cold at Over the Edge. And then all of a sudden, Mick Foley decided to bring back the Mankind persona and then had a match against The Undertaker. And, like, right after he attacked Undertaker, it was announced, oh, hell in a cell. I mean, like, it makes sense to finally conclude the overall feud, but at this point, the fact that it was just suddenly thrown together, it's kind of hard to say. It ended the feud, but... It was just no one there. Mankind came from the August 24, 1998 Raw. I believe this is either right before or right after SummerSlam. This, it was just there just because. Just there just because. I mean, it's a rare thing where, that you would see over the years where it's a Hell in a Cell match outside of a pay-per-view. But it was just thrown there. It's whatever. Uh, Undertaker, Big Boss Man, WrestleMania 15. No. No way. And I'm not just saying this because it's the worst Hell in a Cell match ever. This was just thrown together because, oh, it's the feud between the Corporation and the Ministry of Darkness before they would eventually merge. But it's like, what was really done 
to build up Undertaker Big Boss Man to the point where a Hell in a Cell match was justified for this feud. Yeah, you have Hell in a Cell for the first time ever on the grandest stage of them all, but the feud did not really feel like it called for it. Uh, Triple H Cactus Jack for No Way Out 2000, it made sense for the feud, but the one small issue, though, is that it did not fully conclude the feud between Triple H and Mick Foley because, of course, Mick Foley came back for the Fatal 4-Way match at WrestleMania 16. So it was the proper thing to finally conclude this feud because of how intense it was. And it would have been the perfect way if they did not bring back Mick Foley. I mean, maybe if I do a video about fantasy booking Undertaker returning 2000, I could finally kind of visualize how I would have booked it to make sure this would have happened the right way. Now, the Armageddon 2000 Hell in a Cell match... This, uh, it's hard to say because really the feud that was, at least in terms of who Kurt Angle was trying to feud with out of everybody there was most, pretty much The Undertaker. Especially after what we saw back at Survivor Series and a little bit earlier at Fully Loaded. But it was like, you had six men, they all had one person in the match that they were feuding against. Kurt Angle, Undertaker, Triple H Stone Cold, Rock Rikishi. So it's like... It made sense to end the whole Undertaker Kurt Angle thing and try to make the biggest Hell in a Cell match ever, but in terms of a feud or whatever, I'm a little indifferent on it. Uh, Triple H Jericho from Judgment Day 2002, I say yes, this was rightfully done. Because everything had been building, you had the whole thing of Triple H return after the whole quad injury. Match for WrestleMania 18, he became champion, he eventually lost the title. You had to conclude the, match, the feud with Jericho, and it happened the right way. So, this is another rare case so far. Where I agree with it. Uh, Brock Lesnar, Undertaker from No Mercy 2002. Another case where I'd say yes. Because not only did the feud really feel like it called for it. Because of like the whole build and everything with Undertaker, Undertaker's then-wife Sarah. And WWE title and everything. After, and what happened with Unforgiven. This concluded the feud. Just like we saw with Triple H and Jericho earlier. And this was a bloody battle. Like my god. One of the best Hell in a Cell matches they ever had in WWE. And it was the right call. So Hell in a Cell justified. Now, Triple H, Kevin Nash from Bad Blood 2003, I'm a little indifferent on it. I mean, the feud and, like, interactions everything would conclude at SummerSlam because Kevin Nash was gone afterwards. I mean, this concluded that one-on-one -on -one program, but it never truly, at least from the builds and everything with in terms of fan interest, it never felt like it was something that built justifiably to that level. Because, like, fans... I think they might have had intrigue at the beginning around Judgment Day. Then you had the street fight later on at Insurrection. And then you had the Hell in a Cell match. Ugh, it's hard to say. Uh, now, Bad Blood 2004. Triple H, Shawn Michaels, 100%. Yes. Justified having this Hell in a Cell match. Concluded their two-year on-and-off feud that started since around summer of 2002. 100% justified and rightfully so. Uh, Batista Triple H, Vengeance 2005. Also justifiably so. Because, like, it all started ever since early the beginning of 2005 with the whole disillusion of Evolution with everybody, even though people might still say Evolution was still a slight thing with Rick and Triple H. But in terms of an actual faction that involved more than two people, it started to dissolute. Batista became number one contender of the World Heavyweight title because of his decision after winning the Royal Rumble. Beat Triple H two pay-per-views in a row, WrestleMania Backlash. And was one of the best feuds of 2005, and then Hell in a Cell, and it concluded this feud. Another rightfully done so on. Uh, Undertaker, Randy Orton, Armageddon, 2005 later on the year, also rightfully done because this feud had been going on since WrestleMania 21 for Undertaker, Randy Orton. You had the stuff after Randy went over SmackDown and did the stuff at SummerSlam, No Mercy, 
the return of the Undertaker of Survivor Series, and then you concluded it the proper way at Armageddon. Although you could have done it without Cowboy Bob Orton and his hepatitis blood spilling everywhere. Uh, DX versus Vince, Shane, and Big Show at in the Hell in a Cell match at uh, Unforgiven, which was also the debut of the new changed version of the Hell in a Cell. For concluding the DX McMahon's feud, it makes sense. Big Show just being added in there, the only reason they did that is because the McMahons needed some impending force against to join them in order to try to take out DX. It didn't work. And they also needed somebody for Vince to have his head, whose ass Vince gets his head shoved into after the whole McMahon kiss my ass club. So, in terms of concluding this feud, it made sense. So, yes. Uh, Batista Undertaker, I'm... Ugh. Part of me says yes, and part of me slightly says no. I say yes because this concluded their best of five series you had that year because of WrestleMania Backlash, the Steel Cage match on SmackDown where Edge catched the Money in the Bank, Cyber Sunday, and then this match. But part of me is also a little iffy because just how the match concluded because the only reason Batista won was because Edge got involved. So it's like it wasn't anything to decisively between Undertaker and Batista to conclude the feud, but in terms of the matches and like to conclude that with the matches themselves that they were having the year, it makes sense. So it made sense to conclude the feud, but there's that slight asterisk because of Edge getting involved. Uh, Undertaker Edge from SummerSlam, I'd say yes, perfectly justifiably so. Because, I mean, you had the stuff starting since WrestleMania, then you had Backlash, Judgment Day, the banishment because of One Night Stand, then Undertaker came, ba Undertaker came back, SummerSlam, this made perfect sense. Perfect sense. And concluded the feud... The feud justified it, and Edge is gone for a few months after this. Now, this is where everything kind of starts to go off a cliff. Undertaker, CM Punk, Hell in a Cell. I'm a little iffy because, like, yes, there was heat on Punk after what happened at Breaking Point. But this, when you see the booking of what happened at Hell in a Cell, it, for this match, it didn't feel like this was like a big payoff. Yeah, Undertaker became World Heavyweight Champion, but outside of what happened at Breaking Point with the whole Montreal Screwjob reenactment, did a Punk Undertaker feel like a feud up to this point that it justified Hell in a Cell? I mean, like, they did three in a Hell in a Cell matches this night. It, I'm a little indifferent on it. Uh, Randy Orton, Cena. If it included the feud, it would have made sense, but the problem is these two would then have a freaking Iron Man falls or anything goes Iron Man match at Bragging Rights afterwards, so didn't even include the feud, and Cena even no sold a punt at the end of the match. After Randy was up on the freaking state aisleway, then all of a sudden here comes Cena standing up. It's like, come on, the punt affected you when you got kicked in the head at Backlash 2008, but it didn't affect you here? I mean, I I know it shows how hard-headed it is he is because of the whole Nexus thing that I talked about in the past episode, but come on. Uh, and then that same night in Hell in a Cell 2009, DX versus Legacy. Yeah, this is hard to say because, I mean, this feud did not feel like it justified being the main event of the pay-per-view. I mean, you got to send the crowd home happy and all that shit. But it's like new guys versus dives of the past. I mean, you had a very solid match at SummerSlam. Really good submissions count anywhere match at breaking point. But did it feel like it needed to have Hell in a Cell to conclude the feud? It's hard to say because, like, Legacy for Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase did not feel like they were at that same level as Triple H and Shawn Michaels at that point. Yeah, they were known, like, they had heat because as heels because they were aligned with Randy Orton, but they didn't feel like they were on that same level to justify having this kind of a 
Hell in a Cell match or anything against DX, even in 2009. It, it, it's a tricky one. Uh, Randy Orton, Sheamus, Hell in a Cell 2010. Ah, I'm cut down the middle on this one because the problem with Randy and Sheamus is they never tell good stories in terms of a feud when they have a match. It's very hard to say. Because it's like, I don't think they had any matches continuing after this because then Randy would go on to feud with Wade Barrett and everything like that. And he'd still continue once in a while having matches against Sheamus, but it just didn't feel like the feud just called for this. It was just a case of, we need something for Hell in a Cell, put the WWE title on the line, it's just there. Kane Undertaker, I would say no. I mean, if this feud happened with the Hell in a Cell like 10 years prior, I would say yes. But it's like both men are older. This was the second worst Hell in a Cell match of all time. And it's just like, you you continued the feud after this as well. Just same problem that we had the year prior with Randy Cena. You still had another match to conclude the feud. The next freaking pay-per-view of bragging rights. This one being freaking buried alive match afterwards. So, no. It's like, they just did it just because the namesake of the pay-per-view. Uh, the dark match from September 2011, of course not. It was just there to send the crowd home happy. Screw that. Now, Hell in a Cell 2011. Mark Henry, Randy Orton. It's... Ugh. Like, the feud never felt like it was so personal that it needed to get to that level. Like, yeah, they're trying to sell Mark Henry being a destructive force and everything. You could do that within Hell in a Cell because of the whole Hall of Pain. But this feud did not, to me, feel like it was at that level to where it needed Hell in a Cell. Uh, Del Rio, Cena, Punk that same night. Also, no... Like, they just wanted a reason to have a first-ever triple threat Hell in a Cell match. It didn't feel like it was, like, of use there with the feud. Like, Punk wanted his rematch for the title. Del Rio got his. The only reason they would do that Hell in a Cell really was just for that finish so that Del Rio can regain the championship because he locked Cena out of the cell and then pinned Punk. That was the only way to get the title off Cena afterwards, I guess. Uh, Undertaker, Triple H, WrestleMania 28. For that feud, yes. Not include the matches they would have later on at Saudi Arabia and freaking Australia or wherever in 2018. But to include this long-standing feud because of what happened the year prior, this was the right call. I mean, you even remember in the hype packages, like, if we go, if we do this, uh, we go all the way, uh, you know, that stuff. So it makes perfect sense to finally do, quote-unquote, end of an era. Uh, oh boy, now we get into the really bad territory Punk Ryback, hell no. It's like the company booked themselves into a corner with this match because Punk was champion, Ryback was white hot with the crowd, but he also had the undefeated streak. They booked themselves into a corner with this whole thing. They tried to screw finish. Ryback never recovered, and he still even got another shot with the WWE Championship later on in the Triple Threat at Survivor Series, and then the TLC match on Raw a couple months later against Punk. So it was like the feud never got to that point. At all. It was just thrown together because Cena was not medically clear to compete for the pay-per-view. So it's like, ah, oh, damn it, pal. We got a backup plan. Then you look at the next year against Ryback and Heyman. I mean, it concluded the feud rightfully so with Heyman. Both Ryback, again, like, it made sense if it was, like, Punk Heyman. But then again, Heyman was never involved in the match. Ryback, he freaking cost Punk the match at Night of Champions. They had the match with the odd finish at Battleground with the low blow roll-up. But it's just like, if it was without Ryback, it would make sense to do this with Heyman and Punk. But involving Ryback, it also just did not feel that way. 
Uh, Randy Daniel Bryan that same night, I would say yes, because it all started with SummerSlam. Daniel with the screw finish, getting the belt back at Night of Champions. No contest to Battleground. They needed a decisive winner. Hell in a Cell. The whole stuff with the authority and Randy getting over as a top heel and everything. Best for business and all that crap. So I'd say yes, Randy Daniel Bryan made since 2013. Uh, Cena Randy Orton 2014. They tried to freaking hype it up saying that, oh, it's a Hell in a Cell match. Winner gets a shot at Brock at Royal Rumble. I mean, the only thing I remember from that point was that it was during the whole height of the freaking Arcade Out of Nowhere meme. But for this, no. Did not justify this at all. They just did this because it's Hell in a Cell again. And they just wanted to name number one contender for Brock's WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Did not call for this because it was just thrown together. Seth Dean. This is a bit... Uh, I'm a little torn just because of how the finish went. Because it ended inconclusively because Bray Wyatt got involved. It made sense to conclude the feud with Seth Dean because of how the Shield broke up. They didn't get to have the match at Battleground. You had the freaking Lumberjack match at SummerSlam, and then all of a sudden Dean's back in Night of Champions because, right, or freaking Roman's got the whole hernia. So then they have the match at Hell in a Cell. It made sense for the feud, but the finish just left another asterisk, like I mentioned in one of the other freaking matches. Uh, Roman Bray from 2015. Ugh, I, I can't justify this. Bray... You, nobody I don't think easily remembers that Roman and Bray had a feud going on that year. I mean, all you probably remember was where Roman speared Bray off from the apron off through a table at ringside, but that was it. The feud never felt like it was all this big personal feud to put this match in. Brock Undertaker, Hell in a Cell 2015, just like I say in 2002, perfectly justified. Started with the breaking of the streak. Yeah, the whole stuff with Undertaker wanting vengeance because... Heyman would just not shut the hell up about the whole conclusion of the streak, the low blows and stuff. He had the stuff with SummerSlam and Battleground. So I'd say yes, made perfect sense, concluded the feud legitimately. So another case where it's done right. Now, Undertaker Shane, I understand why they did this from a storyline standpoint. Because you had the whole thing of if Shane wins his match against Undertaker, he gets control of Monday Night Raw. But if Under And if Undertaker loses... He can't wrestle at WrestleMania again. And he had the whole thing of the lockbox, which I honestly don't care for. I don't get why people are still invested in it. It's been six years, people. Move on, please. But, like, it's understandable why they did that because Vince wanted to stack the odds against Shane, make sure he doesn't win because the biggest stage of them all, the guy who's synonymous with WrestleMania, Hell in a Cell, which is his playground, he wanted to stack the odds against Shane. But even with the promos back and forth... And that one freaking elbow drop that Shane did to Undertaker through the announce table in the build, it didn't feel justified. I mean, maybe if they had more time to build this up, it could have worked, but Shane just suddenly appearing, it's like, Oh, damn it, Paul, you want control for all? You're going to have a match at WrestleMania against The Undertaker. Hell in a cell. It's just thrown together just the night Shane came back. It just didn't feel like it. Uh, let's see, then Hell in a Cell 2016. Roman Rusev for the U.S. title. Honestly, I don't, like, I get they were supposed to have a match at SummerSlam that year, but time constraints cut it short. And I know Roman won the U.S. title at, I think it was Clash of Champions was what they were calling it by this point in 2016. I just don't remember the feud getting to that point where it justified Hell in a Cell. I mean, yeah, it was the first time that a mid-card championship was on the line inside Hell in a Cell, but... 
Usually you don't think of a mid-card feud getting that personal to the point where it needs Hell in a Cell. And plus, just like 2009, we had three Hell in a Cell matches in one night. Christ. Uh, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins that same night. It didn't feel like it. I mean, the whole thing was stemming from Seth Rollins getting screwed out of the title from, like, after SummerSlam when it was vacant and then the whole thing with Clash of Champions. But the feud is more all about Seth and trying to get to Hunter for the match eventually WrestleMania. It didn't feel like it needed Hell in a Cell. And then you go with Charlotte Sasha. From storyline, it made sense because this stuff had been going on throughout the year because I think it trailed all the way back to WrestleMania when the Women's Championship before it was Raw exclusive came into fruition, triple thread, and then eventually the feud with the whole quote-unquote women's revolution trying to quote-unquote evolve. So it's like it made sense from a feud standpoint, but then the match had botches. I'm a little indifferent on that one too. Now, Hell in a Cell 2017, thankfully, there were only two Hell in a Cell matches this time. Uso's New Day... For that feud, yes, it made sense because then I believe afterwards the New Day or the Usos turned face, so it finally concluded the feud with respect and everything. Even though the Usos, New Day still keep having a shitload of matches since then. But in terms of concluding this feud, it made sense to finally put that portion of the feud to the end. Now, Kevin Owens Shane that same night. I'm trying to remember why they were feuding. Like, I know... I think there might have been something involving Clash of Champions with the special guest referee stuff or something like that. But I don't remember this feud getting, like, the start of this feud, to be honest. I mean, like, the only thing they did was they just put this match together to have Shane jump off Hell in a Cell and Sami Zayn turn heel, but it I'm a little indifferent on that. Randy Jeff Hardy for Hell in a Cell 2018. Now... I understand why they did this, because Jeff Hardy had never been held in a cell before. It was, like, off his bucket list. Uh, it's hard to say, because, like, this whole thing has started, I think, since... Uh, I know it wasn't Extreme Rules. It was after Extreme Rules, because Randy turning heel on Jeff Hardy after he was trying to regain the United States Championship from Shinsuke Nakamura. But I think this is the whole case of Randy trying to kill the legend, so, like, an older Randy Orton redoing his... Legend Killer gimmick in a way. So I think it kind of makes sense. But again, this is a little indifferent. Now, Roman Braun, the same night. Ugh, I mean, this whole thing was just because, like, Braun was cashing in money in the bank, some of the stuff from the SummerSlam match. I mean, this didn't get to properly conclude the feud because Brock got involved, no contest, and they were supposed to have a triple threat at Crown Jewel. So this is another indifferent one. So it's like, I, it's hard to say. I mean, if this was like maybe the year prior and they didn't have Brock getting involved, I would say yes. Because like their feud that they were having throughout 2017 was one that honestly didn't feel like it got old. So it's like, if this was the year prior, I would say yes. Here, I'm a little iffy. Uh, 2019, Becky Sasha. I barely even remember this feud going on. I know this was after Sasha came back. Maybe it worked. But my memory is just getting fuzzy on this feud. Seth Bray, no. Like, Bray Bray had debuted the Fiend character like about two months prior to SummerSlam. He was getting over rather quick with the character. But at one point, did the Fiend and Seth Rollins' feud going into this pay-per-view feel like it needed Hell in a Cell? 
Because you look at the booking of the match and it was god-awful. I mean, like, The Fiend only having, like, one instance where there was a two-count from a pin from Seth Rollins. The rest of the time it was just one count and just constant spamming stop, 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 stop. Like, it didn't work. And then, of course, they eventually concluded it at a crown jewel with the false count anywhere match. So, didn't even conclude the feud. So, no. Uh, Roman J from 2020. I mean, this is a case where he had three Hell in Cell matches that year. At least in terms of a one-on-one feud, I would say I think this works for Roman and Jay. Because then afterwards, Jay would turn heel, so they would end the feud and align each other as part of the bloodline. So I would say yes, because, I mean, plus an I quit Hell in a Cell match, extra danger there. Sasha Bailey, that same night, I I think this concluded that feud. Although they might have had some more matches after this or something like that. But in terms of this overall part of the feud, it made sense. So Sasha Bailey from 2020, I'd say, gets the stamp of approval for that one. Randy Drew, no. Did not conclude the feud. Kept on going after this. I mean, I remember you had the whole ambulance match and the whole stuff with the Legends getting involved to attack Randy. So, no, it's just there for the sake of it. Now, Roman versus Ray. I'm trying to remember what started their feud back in 2021. I can't remember. Because I know this was supposed to have happened at Hell in a Cell, but instead it happened two days prior on SmackDown. I don't remember the feud. I legit don't remember. This was only a year ago, so I can't say. Uh, Bianca Bailey. I don't remember this feud either. At all. Like, I know they're supposed to have had a Hell or an I Quit match at Money in the Bank, but Bailey got injured, so I. I, I don't know. I guess not. Because, again, they're supposed to have had another match after this and it got scrapped because of Bailey in, getting injured. And then, of course, Bobby Lashley drew. Last chance match. Seeing that last chance rule, I would say that was the right call. Because that concludes the feud in more ways than one because it's like, hey, you're not getting another shot after this. So I'd say, yeah, that was the right way to end it. Because it had been going on since, what, I think after Elimination Chamber? So it had been going on for a while. Proper way to conclude the feud after like three or four months. Uh, Lashley, Xavier Woods. I can't remember the feud either with this one. It just felt thrown together for Hell in a Cell on Raw the night after Hell in a Cell. So you had you had four Hell in a Cell matches in the course of a week. Good Lord. But it's like, I don't remember there being a feud to begin with. It just felt thrown together. And then finally, Crown Jewel last year. Edge, Seth, Yes. This was the proper way. It concluded the feud. It felt justified. You looked at the build that had been going on. Like, they referenced stuff in 2014. So, it's like, yes, this worked. But that's, like, 50 Hell in a Cell matches by the time I'm recording this episode. Like, this is right around before Hell in a Cell happens, like, within a week. But it's just, like, you look at so many of these Hell in a Cell matches. Hell in a Cell should be a case where the match is booked because it makes sense in storyline to conclude a feud, but so many times, either the feud does not feel like it's that that point, or they still continue the feud afterwards. Like, how do you continue a feud when you've already had a match inside one of the most dangerous structures in WWE that's supposed to be, that they keep advertising saying that it's something so dangerous that it shortens careers? How do you continue a feud outside of that match? It's ridiculous. So many feuds, like I said, either it's just thrown together just because 
They need Hell in a Cell because they can't freaking book things properly to the point where they feel like the feud is justified for Hell in a Cell. Or it's just the feud just keeps going afterwards. So it's like, why do Hell in a Cell in the first place? I don't know. It just feels like they just don't have long-term booking. And that's a big problem that you see with this match type. I mean, how many... I don't... Like, not a lot of these feuds that I mentioned reading off of felt like it justified being in Hell in a Cell. It just doesn't. But anyway, let me know what you guys saw in the comment section below. Ugh, I hope that someday WWE changes up their booking because that's a problem that you also have with these themed pay-per-views to where they feel like they need to do this match. I mean, like, you look at Hell in a Cell. I'm trying to remember. I think there was one year where you didn't have Hell in a Cell match at all. I think... Yeah, I think it was 2004. You had an entire year where you did not have a Hell in a Cell match in 2004 because there wasn't really anything going on that really justified a Hell in a Cell match being booked. No, wait, no. Sorry. That was Triple H. Shawn Michaels. I was just trying to think. Like, there had to have been one year where you didn't have it. Or I might have been... No, I was thinking Elimination Chamber. That was 2004. Sorry. Yeah, my brain gets a little bit... Mushy. Oh, yeah. 2001. That was it. 2001 was, like, the only year since Hell in a Cell was created... Where you did not have any Hell in a Cell matches. I mean, I know they were busy with the whole freaking Invasion storyline that was going on throughout the year. But that was the only year that did not have it. Because, like, outside of maybe Triple H, Stone Cold, I don't think there were any other feuds that were that meaningful and in-depth to the point where it felt like it needed Hell in a Cell. I mean, the closest thing they did with Triple H, Stone Cold was the Steel Cage match for the third fall of Three Stages of Hell and No Way Out. But... That was the only year where we didn't see Hell in a Cell. The rest of these years, like, there are times where it makes sense to put Hell in a Cell to conclude a big, long-standing blood feud. But other times, it's just there just because. But anyway, let me know all in the comment section below of today's subject about Hell in a Cell. This, I hope WWE changes their booking because they can't just throw shit at a wall and expect it to properly work or things be justified because it's not always the case. It's not always the case. So if you enjoyed today's episode, folks, please remember to leave a like, comment what you think below, subscribe with the bell turned on if you're watching this on YouTube, or follow if you're listening to this on any other services that this episode may be streamed through. And I'll catch you all next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Like, comment, subscribe. Peace out, and good day, everybody.